The Drew and Fuse Show The Drew and Fuse Show They clean up nicely It's the Drew and Fuse Show The Drew and Fuse Show The Drew and Fuse Show Yeah, they clean up Yo, what is up? Daft's Punks in the building. How's it going? I got a question for you real quick. So it's been a week since our last episode. Have you thought of the taste of water yet and how to describe it? <laughs> As Victor put it, it's wet. It's wet. Man, All right. You know what? We are still not sponsored by Liquid Death, sparkling mountain water straight from the Alps. And it's crazy because I say it every time, but we basically put this brand on our back and built it from the ground up and they still have done nothing for us. They have done, done one single thing for us uh, besides murder our thirst. <laughs> the taste is also refreshing. You know, that's wet and refreshing. Mm. Taste of water. Yeah. You know what else I like? No. Uh, you know, I like club cannons. I like turning my party up to 11. Turn your party up to 11. We have club cannon. If you go reach out to clubcannon.com and let them know Drew and Fuse sent you, they will lace you up with the best product uh, for your weddings. I use it at all my weddings. Highly yep, recommend. We use, it, we use it at the club. You know, it adds that extra element. Go get one. Also, in the description of the video below, uh, there will be a link to Photo Booth Supply Company. If you're in the market for a photo booth, make sure you check that link out. It won't help you out any. It'll help the show out. But Drew says he'll give you a t-shirt, a sticker pack, and a high five. So, wow. you know. Up in the ante on part. these, these yeah. nice things that I'm giving them. <laughs> totally. And uh, make sure you're rating and reviewing the podcast on Apple uh, podcast that'll help grow the show exponentially uh, we need those rates we need those reviews we need you to subscribe on youtube we need you to hit the quan we need you to teach the dougie <laughs> we need you to do all those things it'll help us conga line challenges been getting a lot of conga line challenges we've been getting tagged in all those still you know if you're just listening and you haven't listened back to the old show conga line challenge is when a conga line breaks out at your event, you're not emceeing to get it started, and you're not playing the conga line song. So make sure you tag us if that happens at your event. We love to see it. Also, use promo code Drew and Fuse Show to get 30% off your first month of activation. If you're not on direct music service yet, you're truly missing out. I don't say that because I work for them. I don't say that because this podcast is sponsored by them. I say that because it is the record pool that I use primarily for everything. I'm not saying you shouldn't have other record pools as well. We always preach that you should use other record pools too, uh, yep. but you should be on there. We've got exclusive edits on there, Drew and I. We've also got Daft's edits on there, Drew and Fusho edits. So if you see Daft's on direct music service, that is Drew and I. Yeah, that's that's gonna be it for the info today that I've got. What about you? Do you have any do you have any info for them? I, I got no info. If you have ideas for some bootlegs or remixes, uh let us know. Yeah, don't send us shitty ones though. Don't send us I, shitty ideas. Oh like don't be like, yo, hit them with that new mambo number five edit. Like we don't we don't want to do that. Go on uh the yellow line and call oh. in some your requests. Yeah, that's right. Now we're gonna get a hundred people that hit us up hey you guys should make a mambo number five edit 
That's what's maybe maybe we will because you did that one the blue one. So maybe we need some more of those in our life. Yes. What's the number? Yeah, five six two two four six YOLO. That's the hotline. Make it bling. We got a a big guest today. Let's read this bio. Read the bio. All right. Let me uh let me read the bio here for you guys. Uh. He's a great guest. He has been in the game for over 20 years. Interesting fact, he was a B-boy for D-Light. Groove is in heart. You know, we'll talk about that later, but one of my top songs, you know, we all have these eras where songs like come into our lives, and that song still is like one of my favorite songs. He was also a part of the group Defined Print, where their single, My Library, was used uh, by ESPN X Games. He's held residencies all over, uh, including a residency in Las Vegas at the Mandalay Bay. Uh, he's in the D.C. area now, and he's the official DJ for the Washington Nationals, D.C. United, and the Washington Spirit. Please help us welcome Stylus Chris. What up? What up? Thank what you up? for humbling intro. Yeah. Thanks for uh, taking the time to be here with us today. We appreciate it. We know you're a busy guy. Uh, I'm I'm really happy to talk to fellow nerd DJs and, um, you know, it it's perfect uh, to just kind of talk about this stuff and then go run and DJ. I feel like it's it's fuel in that sense, you know, when you get to kind of nerd out with your buds about music and, and your perspective in life and then you go to a party, you can hopefully take all the, the positive stuff you were talking about and put it right into action, which is why totally. we do this, right? You know? Yeah. You got a busy weekend this weekend? I do. I do. I'm doing uh today I'm doing a, a charity at the Four Seasons, um, big charity event that they put on personally. So um they're a big client of mine here. So I'm I'm putting putting down on that with them. And then I'm doing a kind of fun wedding tomorrow at Union Station, which is the train station here in DC. And they wow. you can you can actually rent out rooms in it or rent out areas of it. Um and they can do some pretty amazing events inside. It's a beautiful building and right by the Capitol. Um, so be there tomorrow. And uh, yeah, man, it's it's I'm starting a kind of crazy. You guys were saying about sports. A lot of the sports stuff is wrapping up, but then all this other weird transition into our deep into our fall season, into the holiday season starts. And, yeah. you know, we're we all try to find the, the juggle, the balance of to make it all work. Is your December big on corporate events? Yeah. Yeah. And this year, quite frankly, I think it's going to be the busiest in a long time because a lot of corporations didn't do any holiday parties the last couple of years. And they've just been sitting on that budget and they feel like this is they have to come back and do something for only the even the morale of their offices. Some people are still if you think about it, they're still mostly remote. And right. that's kind of crazy to think. But um DC being what the, the city is in itself is a very, you know, tied to government and corporate world. And so they were already transitioning into this flex Friday and kind of stay home once in a while in DC well before the pandemic. But then this just went to another level. And I think a lot of companies are going to try to use their holiday party to get people back together. So I've never seen this many bookings prior. And you guys probably know, too, with holiday season, the bookings start coming in after Halloween passes. It's like it's, it's, it's exactly when it comes in as my my December's already full. But I was just thinking, man, I haven't really got my calls yet. 
for the rest of the the month of all the weekdays start filling in yeah and so i'm now that you're saying that out loud i'm now dreading life so <laughs> the wednesday wednesday thursdays of this those first three weeks of december are you know it's i don't know to me i always feel like i judge where i'm at in my career as a dj by december okay. if i'm not booked through the like if your december isn't like just kind of running upside down because you're so busy yeah. you're not connecting at least for me the way where i want to be as a dj i'm not connecting right now with the people that are everybody's throwing a holiday party it's the one time of year where you could literally be booked 20 straight days with a different holiday party and just get that bag and then relax in january february <laughs> I, take time off I, I think it depends a little bit on where you live though you know just where the corporates are because i do agree with you but i i judge that off my october because my october is my nuttiest month of the of life and so maybe the last couple holidays just haven't been that good so maybe i no they haven't been this off yeah nobody did them like yeah. most of the it was a bad it was still in bad form to have a holiday yeah. party last year yep. or in, especially in 2020 no way yeah um, so this is the first year that people are like okay we can do this again you know yeah so, and you're right it is it is very much about that where you live um, yes definitely i don't i don't do as many a corporate like and uh mobile type stuff but even December, November and December for me is always like busy with just all kinds of random stuff pops up. You know, we have private parties at the bar for work party and it, it's super busy always. Like if I look at the numbers for my year, always, it's always like November and December are always busier, even money wise, just than the rest of the year for me. Are you still uh, mostly in the in the clubs and bars? Yeah. Yeah, so you don't do a lot of weddings or private events or corporate events. <laughs> Only a couple a year, usually. I are just you on the promotion side too. Are you like kind of facilitating the whole thing, doing your own flyers and really like your own branding and? Yes and no. So to kind of, I'm sure everybody that listens is sick of hearing my story, but uh, I, I'm trying to hear. Uh, no, no, I know. Uh, that maybe not know wants to know. We want to know. Uh, um. <laughs> So pre-pandemic, I worked for one company in town and they owned like 13 bars. Coming out of it, I work for another company. It's a friend of mine. He owns a club and then a bar. And then I play Friday nights at the bar and Saturday nights at the club. And pre-pandemic, I was just doing, I was like five and six nights a week. And now I just basically do Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And uh, it's awesome. <laughs> uh, you know i don't i i do a lot more stuff for dms now i still do stuff for uh the app fit radio we're opening uh, a third location here soon well i shouldn't say soon in the next six months i'll have a lot to do with that so that's kind of where what i'm transitioning too. I, I've done some wedding stuff and I, I have done a lot of weddings over the years. It's just kills my soul every time I do them. It's just, I, I, I don't know how else to say it other than like, it's just not for me. I, I don't enjoy it. I, I love the money that comes with it. I just, it's not for me. I really understand that. And so I've just shifted and I'm going a different direction to, you know, to make the, make the ends meet and try to level up each year, you know, that's always yeah. try to do is beat the, the the prior year. Yeah, and you know I think what is interesting and in DJs of a certain age are really the first generation to start at a certain point in their career and actually get to like midlife and still be doing it. And well, so you, you might get to a point where you have 
drank yourself into oblivion, partied so hard, you look like you're 70, you hit 40 and you're like, <laughs> no one wants you to DJ at their clubs anymore because you're out of touch or whatever. And like now you're like, what am I going to do with my life? I'm basically going to be an insurance salesman or something because I I've lost any chance at anything. Or you've started at this point. And you were like, hey, this is great. And I want to figure out how to sustain this in a logical profession. And DJing as a profession is not very old. It's and it's a baby as prepared compared to other professions, you know, and hip hop in general is a baby in terms of culture and music. And like, you know, you're we're just getting to a point in life where you look at somebody that's 50 years old and they're still a hip hop person. And you're like, that's not a big deal. Where when we were younger, that seemed ancient. And and like they how could they be in hip hop culture anymore? It's so it seems so weird. Like you see DJs like none of them could sustain into like their 40s, 50s and still like pull in the youth. You know, it's like if you can't talk to the youth, it's going to be very hard to sustain being a DJ. But when you balance that with figuring out other ways to stay in the music, make edits, consult, do all these different projects, then you can do whatever your actual DJ gigs are. And still find joy in them, find passion in them, find the way to like be your best every night. You know, I always tell a young DJ, if you have a pit in your stomach dreading to go to that gig, you that needs to be the last night you do that gig. Yeah, it's great you advice. Know, regardless of the money, regardless of the money, it could be your most uh, successful gig that pays you the most. I guarantee you it's hindering you and it's going to, in the long term, be a deterrent to your, your path and your career and your mental state. And I've always taught myself that is like, there's no gig worth feeling like miserable to show up to it. DJing should be about joy and happiness and providing that to other people. And you cannot fake that. I don't well, it'll, we'll try. It'll you translate. Know. It'll definitely translate over to the audience that you're, you're dreading being there and you hate your, hate your life. So right, I even noticed it. like myself, you know, now that I'm only doing the minimum stuff on the weekends before it used to be like, I'd get to Friday and the bar would be half full and I'd be like, ah, oh, whatever. I'm just fucking off, you know, doing whatever <laughs> in there. But now I'm like trying my hardest to like, keep it going. And like, you know, because I'm still like happy to be there now. So I think just, it's great for my mental state to be just doing that meant like three, I think like three gigs a week is like the sweet spot. I think I agree. You know, any more is like too much. And I think any, any less is kind of like, you're not doing enough. So you feel, you, then you start to feel the FOMO. I think that's what we all go through when you're when you're at that you know i think all of us as successful djs have had those points in our life where we're five six nights a week djing all the time and you know on saturdays you might do three gigs in a day if, especially if you do other types of djing like sports and and things like that it's like i can count several times when i was just chasing money no matter what where do a baseball game do a wedding and then end up at a club all on the same night you know and just like how sustain and then wake up you know at eight in the morning to take my daughter to school or whatever it is the next day, you know? So it's, it's not sustainable in the long, in the long run. And we're not going to be able to keep yourself in a point of being the best DJ you can be artistically and, and professionally if you're, if you're thin. And I think, you know, again, being that DJing is a younger profession and, and all of us are kind of to a point figuring it out as we go along and, and how to make it work that, the most important thing is how do you value your time and how do you get others to value your time the way you do to where you can get to a point where what used to be the same amount of money you made for five gigs, you now can make in three gigs because you've done this long enough. And, and like, you know, I, I don't understand 
you know, maybe it's a little changing now after the pandemic, but like, at least in my experience, the, the, the standard scale of DJ income has not kept up with inflation at all. Like, I mean, the, the 500 Saturday night gig has been 20 years going where everybody else in their job, not only inflation goes up, but as a, as an individual that works in a profession, you should be at least if nothing else getting cost of living increases in whatever job you're doing, whether you have to create them on your own or the venue is like, Hey, you know, we, you know, we're, we'll give you that extra 25 bucks a week. You know, it make it ends up making, you know, a lot of makes up the difference, you know? Totally. I, I think that um, it's crazy. Like, I feel like the, the pandemic's changed a lot of things and there are a lot of people that are, still chasing and instead of being secure in their position, I feel secure with what I do. Like, you know, like I'm like, if somebody's going to, if somebody better is going to come along and, and get it, then great. But I don't think that's going to happen. And I think there are so many guys that are still out there fighting for gigs and doing even less. I don't got to bring our, or, or, or I got to bring gear to this gig and I'm still going to only get paid this much. Well, okay. Just because I want to be playing this gig, you know, and I'm not about that. If I got to do more work, there's going to be more pay. If they choose somebody else, cool. That's not for me. Like, I know, I feel like at this point where I'm at, I know what I bring to the table and I'm sure you feel that way too. And it's like, if you don't want me, cool. That's Yeah. That's no hard feelings. Fine. No hard feelings. Yeah. Maybe next time, you know, are you still in Cincinnati? Are you? I am. Yep. And, and, you know, as, as I guess, big city air quote that DC is, it's really a small city. And it's also a very segregated city in the way that um, not only the transientness of people that only come here for like a, they are their mindset is I'm here only on this two year government job or I'm doing a two year internship with blah senator blah congressman and their affiliation or is their their mind is already halfway always in another um, area you know like I'm from Minnesota or whatever and so you know they're never going to care what the trends are what's happening what the hot new spot is in DC you know their mind is just not there so in a lot of ways there's the same kind of thing of, you know, these different cities of trying to compete for the same block of real estate and people. And you can feel the changes. Like when the, when college is in town in DC, it's wild. You know, there's, this is one of the, I think Boston and DC have the most college students per capita per radius of like concentrated area, you know? And it's like, so you can feel when the college kids go away for the summer or go away on winter break, you know, like July and August between the college kids being gone and then all of the government agencies that shut down in August. It's like a great time to come to D.C. if you want to, like, move around the city and see things, because it's like half the city is, is asleep or not here. And, um, you know, but like at the bar, if you can't knock it the first two months you're never going to knock it. It will never happen. Totally. My, my brother actually um, lives in the DC area. So I'm kind of familiar with DC. I've probably been up there just as much as I've been anywhere else. You know, I don't want to say vacation because it's not a vacation really when I go up there, but that's good. Yeah. No, next time you come through, man, if you want to come play at a spot, you know, it'd be, it'd be fun. Heist is um, as we're on this podcast, heist is opening up in a couple weeks and, that's like one of the kind of DJ 
spots that's always been known to be, you know, one of the most fun. You never know like who's going to be in there. It's very small and intimate. And I played a spot up there way, way. It's probably been like eight or nine years at this point, but it was called Lima. Oh yeah. yeah, I played there. I played, I played in their lounge room up, upstairs, and yep. then I played in the main room downstairs, downstairs one time. And the way it worked out, it was like the most random thing ever because that night I played downstairs. They did like the 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 promoters in DC glow. I think. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Did yeah, the Thursday huge. nights. And uh, I'm pretty sure they had a Vici that Thursday that played. And then I played Friday and then Fetty Legrand played Saturday or if it, it was flip flopped. Yeah, yeah, I know. That, that was right. like one of the things where I wish I kept the three day flyer because yeah, it been right. like, <laughs> and I didn't think anything. And a Vici wasn't like that big. At, I don't right. think levels had came out yet. So Seek romance was the only thing that had been out at that point when he was there. Wow. Yeah, yeah no. I mean, three day. Well, and that's the thing, like with, with DC in general, the the positives of all this transientness and, and these quick arrivals is fashion or culture or food. It all is influenced in these random ways of this this movement, you know, of this like new generational Silk Road, so to speak, of how people move in and out of DC. And in the late mid 90s, the, this place was on fire with like the rave scene and the hip hop scene and go-go and like West Indian reggae. And, and like there was something for everybody here and it was all moving fast. And those guys, the glow guy like Pete and Antonis, those guys were throwing kind of more European house parties back in the mid nineties where I was throwing basement warehouse style hip-hop house drum and bass would be a drum and bass room there'd be a hip-hop room with like breakers and freestylers and then there was a house room slash speed garage room with armand van helden and like you know that whole sound of you know the the mid late 90s and you know there you would have all these like rave kids hip-hop kids club kids all in one spot and then that we we always looked at them as the more like it was like the college kids, the AU students that were driving Lamborghinis and shit, like when they're 20 years old. And they were a combination of like a lot of the European kids and the Middle Eastern kids and the college kids. And they started bringing all these. I mean, they were the first people to bring Tiesto to America. You know, um, they wow. were they were on the forefront of all of it from the beginning. And that and they own, you know, they they went up into the. Echo stage was what they, you know, ascended to. And I think they, I don't even know if they're still partners. And I think like one of the big companies snatched it up, but like they started echo stage and all these venues and, you know, saying when you were like Avicii to me, to Fetty Legrand, it's like, it sounds completely on par. That's exactly what they would do. They would bring these DJs to town that you're like, wow, I can't believe that. I remember when they had, that David Guetta way before David Guetta was David Guetta, you know, it's like, or going to see David Guetta play at fur when they did a party there. And it's like a 2,500 person club on like a Tuesday night till 4am. And, and he was actually like rocking this shit, you know, like well before the super fame. So yeah, the, the night I played upstairs there and like their lounge, uh, Anthony Italia was playing on on like the main club in the, in the in the basement there. Dude, that was a pretty cool room. That basement club that was like it small. Was. And, was and bumping he, too. 
Yeah, yeah. It was pretty yeah. neat. Yeah. It was a fu- it was fun to play there. I, you know, DC such a like a um um like you kind of already said, just a melting pot of a city. So you get a lot of different whatever. And I just felt like those those nights that I played there, like I could really hit a lot of different stuff, and people were enjoying it. It will expose the weakness of a DJ DC. It will it and it will lift up the a DJ that can figure out any crowd at any point. I think that's why like the Vegas guys will always do well when they come to DC. Cause it's the same thing. Like you don't know what you're going to get on any given night and you have to work with whatever's in front of you and figure them out and have the range to go in so many directions. And, you know, you could play the same club every Saturday night in DC. And sometimes the crowd would, could be totally different and you might skew one direction or another, depending on, depending on who's there. And like, you know, so some guys will come to town and completely not figure it out. And then other guys will come and then they'll figure it out and they'll have so much fun doing it. They'll be like, Hey, can I come back? You know, when can I get back? Yeah, totally. Uh, well, that being said, that that's kind of um, getting into some of our questions we have for you or, or and we got a rep, rapid fire segment. I'm going to play this, this uh, segment video, and then we're going to get started with some rapid fire questions that usually don't end up being so rapid fire. So here we go. Hey, this is the king of pop, Michael Jackson. Drew and Fuse, let's talk questions. In fact, let's do some rapid fire. Now, I know these rapid fires aren't always so rapid fire, and that is okay by me. I got nothing but time. Now, let's look at the man in the mirror and get started. (laughs) 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 All right, the king of pop, Michael Jackson. He recorded that one for us a while ago, probably many years ago. Before we even knew we were getting this show started, he recorded that for us. So our first uh, rapid fire question we got for you. Is there anything that you're currently listening to that you're really f- feeling these days? And that doesn't even have to be music. It could be if you're into podcast or whatever. Just anything mm. that you're listening to. If you're in the car, even, driving. Even DJ related. It doesn't have to be yeah. DJ related. Something you're just feeling. I feel like right now what I'm feeling, I go through these kind of seasons and i've just been uh, on just a jazz kick of late just jazz all day in the car it's very it's very calming um it's also you know my daughter goes to duke ellington school of the arts here in dc she's a freshman um and she's 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 in an art school all the time she played trumpet for six years and my son loves jazz so it's actually a nice peaceful way to to go to school in the morning and to fight traffic and you know, for me, it's it's one of our, you know, if anybody out there has never seen the Ken Burns documentary on jazz, you need to put that in your life and really take into account how jazz is really one of the only things America has truly created that. And it's the derivative of all of our music. And it's the base. Any any favorite artist? I mean, always, always a, a Coltrane um, got kind of guy. I, I definitely love any of the Marsalis brothers. Um Younger guy that's amazing to me is Joey Alexander. He might be, gosh, he might be like 14 years old right now, but he's already been on the stage since he was like nine. And when I mean savant, like we're talking like Mozart kind of savant of of music, but for jazz. And but yeah, I'm, I love, I love certainly some of the newer guys too. That's awesome. awesome. Do you ha- have a favorite remixer or producer? And that doesn't have to be in the DJ world, just in music in general. Ooh. 
man, that's that is good. I mean, favorite producer of all time, I would say, is um, Premier. Um, just from where that comes from. Favorite remixer, producer slash DJ of all time for me is is close to my heart because he kind of taught me a bit about it. Was Armand Van Helden? Um, well, you know, when I was um, in New York as a young kid, you know, I was fortunate that Armand's also a b boy. He's a b boy at heart, and um, we would go to Sound Factory Bar on Wednesday nights. Little Louie, Kenny Dope and all the strictly rhythm underground network barbara tucker all those amazing dancers and and early house djs and that was just like the meeting point every wednesday which is also why i've always done my own personal parties on wednesday because of how much that party affected me and um armand used to he's the one that brought me there he's the one that introduced me to everybody he's the one that talked me told me about phrasing teaching me about you know, if you're going to get into this game, first thing to do is to start remixing songs people know, making or you make edits of songs people know. Then you can make remixes. Then you can make your own stuff. Like he, as a young 20-something, had already had the formula. And, you know, his SP-1200 and his, and you know, Todd Terry style DJ producer. And, you know, so for for me, he's he's certainly mine. That's that's, that's an amazing uh, person yeah. to, <laughs> to look up to. That's great. Uh, for some of the younger guys, and even this might be a little outdated, but he he's uh, half of Duck Sauce with a track, so he's he's still pushing some great shit out these days, and he's still playing all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and he's like you know to me one of those guys that you know, like I said, he 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 took me under his his wing as a young hip hop kid wanting to be DJ kid, and just you know did never never did anything but show love, you know, and just pretty much opened my eyes to that you can do this for, you know, in a serious way. Love that answer. Great. Uh, what is the best non-curse word, one word insult? <laughs> this is going to be very, uh, it's easy one for me, um, but it's very regional. It's Bama. In D.C., you call somebody a Bama. Like that, man, he's a Bama. You know, that's a, that's a, that's a bad one for, for this area. Yeah. What, and what would you use it? What does it mean? Yeah, yeah. Can you it's, use I mean, it? it's any of it, all of it. It's like saying shit, you know? It's like you can use it for 40 different things, but like, you know, a, that BAM is always late, you know? Like, that BAM never pays me back on time. That, you know, like, it's it's always, <laughs> you know, it's... We have not had that. That's amazing. I love that. Well, this is a very DC, like, this is, this started for me, at least when I remember in, you know, elementary school. It's, uh, it came, it came around, it's been, and it has stayed in the DC culture for you know, 30 years now at this point, I guess, whatever that is. What is a DC area uh, go-to food spot that you could really only get in that area? I mean, the, um, the obvious choice would be Ben's Chili Bowl. And if you've never been to Ben's Chili Bowl and you come to DC, you have to come to Ben's Chili Bowl because not only is it black owned operated and Mama Ali is still here with us. Ben passed away a few years ago, but it's family run. And during the MLK riot, I think, I think Fuse is battling you with his Skyline Chili Cup right there. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was just really thirsty. Uh, he's battling you. He's he's there's a there's a call out. I heard right the here. word he's chili. And All right, like, oh. fair fair point. So that's okay. So when you come to DC next time, a you're getting a gig. B going to Vince Chili Bowl, and I'm gonna call I'm gonna call Nizam and be like, I'm bringing a very special chili aficionado. We need, we need a special chili. 
Um, well, but you know, that's well, wait, it, special it, it, because one thing during the MLK on a serious topic during when MLK was assassinated and U street burned down. I mean, U street, all the jazz clubs, everything cultural, everything important of U street was destroyed in those fires and the riots, except for Ben's chili bowl. Everyone wow. was like, nothing. Nobody can touch Ben's chili bowl. And, wow. and yeah. And, and, and it stayed the, the only thing that really survived through that, that whole time. So it's a special place more than just the food. Uh, not so serious. If we do go, can we not go before the gig? Because we were just having yeah. <laughs> Victor on the last episode, and there, there was a, an amazing story. But uh, that had a lot to do. I can with, only uh, I could only had, a, had a lot to do with uh, you know running uh, to the bathroom during your gig. So <laughs> you go get chili. It's probably going to be in the morning or like early, no, early afternoon, late night, baby. That that's one of the after other after yeah, we're just perfect. fine. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's the perfect. thing is, at least when you, you know, I don't really try to as much anymore, but when you're in your 20s and early 30s DJing nightclubs, of course you're drinking, having fun, and there's nothing like hitting bins at like, you know, 3.30 in the morning for a chili dog right. and some fries and, a, and, you know, making sure that it soaks up all the alcohol that you drink. Well, we're making a trip, Fuse. Mark yeah, Jones. totally. Yeah, totally. All right, we want to hear a crazy DJ story. This will wrap up our rapid fire, but we, we're looking for the a crazy DJ story, a night from the DJ booth. It can be, it can be a horrible memory. It can be a great memory. It can be both if you got multiple or whatever. I mean, so many years I've been doing this, and I'll just this could go a thousand different directions, but I'll say one that I think is a very interesting one for me, and it's uh, one of the most difficult things i've ever had to do in my life and it was a very it, it very it very much became a rock or a pillar of what i know that i can put myself through but um my best friend committed suicide in front of me if you guys want to really think wow. about that for a second sorry to go that route but it, it's uh, it's real um I've had, I've had it happen as well but not in front of me so uh yeah it's it's close to home i get it yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm in good company then. So, yeah, I mean, um, best friend who owned the record store with me and uh, took his life. And I went and DJ then without sleep, pretty much from the whole scenario to the it was a Thursday night. And I did my Friday night gig and um, I I rocked that gig and I realized in that moment that that's DJing for me is, is, is more than just this thing that I, I think I like it because I popular. You think you like it because you can make money at it. It's your oxygen. It is the way that you yep. live and through the good, through the bad, it's, it's, it encompasses for me uh, an identity side of me of where I can always find comfort. I can find comfort in music. I can find comfort in getting lost in, and what is the air traffic controller version of our world. Like we are, you know, we are out there moving at the speed of light all the time with not many breaks. And um, that was a good, that was a positive thing because it kept my mind off of it. And it was right. certainly medicinal um, in that point. So yeah, to, for me, that was like a, also, you know, it, it's a very memorable moment in the sense that it, it allowed me to get through that initial like real 
rough, rough thing I was going through. So, yeah, no, um, I, uh, I can relate to that a lot. Um, I even, you know, my wife had our only daughter and, um, the, the hospital kicked me out and I had originally had a sub that night and I was, I went and DJed and it was same, similar, you know, so happy moments, sad moments. Yeah. I could get you through it. That's it. That's it. And we were talking about before, like where, you know, you can't do a gig if you're like not happy or you don't want to be there. And even though we're sad in the moment and maybe you are going through some stuff, like that's never to say that you can't go crush your, your gig. You know, there's a difference between being like, I don't want to be here. And my life is so tumultuous right now that the only place I feel serenity is at this gig. That's a totally different scenario. Right. I agree. You know, and that's where it's like, to me, that's where, um, like I said, you know, it's, that's the oxygen that we, that we find our, find our, our space in on the, on this planet, the gravity. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of funny. We were talking with Victor last and, uh, one of the things that I even was saying to, to, to him was like, you know, for me and I know for you guys, it's probably exactly the same. I know for Drew it is. And I'm sure just based on this conversation that it is, it's like this is my life. This what this DJing is my life. Like this is what I do. It's what it has consumed me. It has become my whole life. It's like the 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 first love of my life and it probably will always remain that number one priority in a, in a lot of ways, you know? And so with that being said, like, I don't have any hobbies really, you know? So this is what I was saying to Victor, like it's just consumed what I do and every aspect. Sure. We have different lanes that we go down, you know, we were, I think we were referenced Victor because he's made some mixtapes that like, he just put out that were just for him. And I'm like, yeah, because that's kind of like your hobby within the DJing. It's like, hey, I, I did this one for myself. And sure, I'll, I'm going to go ahead and put it out there. But this one was for me because I enjoyed doing it. And like, but yeah, I, it's it consumes me. And I feel the same. Like if something bad happens, like, well, at least you can go to the gig and do your thing. And you know that it's going to be a good night and you it's can control star. that good night. Yeah. It's a North yeah. Star for, for, for us that do it like seriously and, and do it with, with purpose, you know, and, and that's to me, that's what I always try to teach younger DJs when, you know, I think you guys probably get this question all the time and or it's just like, Hey, what do I got to do to be a DJ? And <laughs> I laugh, I laugh because everything we just talked about in the last 10 minutes, like you can't teach that, you know, you could, no, no, <laughs> you can teach no. the basic, but you can't yeah. teach the well, and, that's, and that's, and that's the funny part is they're like, Hey, teach me how to DJ or like, you know, they want to learn how to DJ. I, that's why I started a DJ school was because so many people kept asking me to, to learn how to DJ. And you're like, all right, well, I'll start a school. And, but when we would talk, when we would teach the first, the first thing I would ever teach people was if you don't have an obsessive love for music, you are not right. going to be a good DJ. Right. Not. It's impossible. I mean, and I'm not, talk- I'm not talking that you love music. I mean that you are obsessively in love with music because that's where you're going to spend so much of your time, <laughs> whether, it, whether it's playing it or discovering it or editing it or manipulating it into a crate or building a set, whatever it is, you are going to spend so much of your time with music. And if you don't 
really love it, you will burn out on it. You will genuinely burn out on it. And we see a lot of guys that we know that have come up and were like great DJs or, um, you know, just had a trajectory and then they fall off or they, they just like, I can't do it anymore. It's because they burn out, you know, they just, they burn out. It's the difference between people that are, you know, I know ones now that I'm like, I can't wait till you burn out. Cause you're fucking making us look like fools out here. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Like, well, you know, they say the brightest star usually burns out the fastest. So, or, or the, uh, the ones that, uh, can be frustrating is some, some are a little too obsessed with the business aspect of it and not the actual love of it. And I think that's a frustrating point for me where it's like, yeah, we're making money at it. And that's awesome. But you can't just always be the money. It's got to be the love. And uh, well, they give us the like real like Drew does tons of private events. But to me, he's still like a DJ first, you know, and the business is like the second you know and I, i'm sure it's you're you're the same like you, you're a dj first and that's and to get the things that you've gotten and drew has gotten in your careers like you have to be a dj first because my friend tony once said you can look cool being a dj or you can be cool by being a good dj and it's like if you want to you take the harder out of learning how to be a good dj first like the rest will come and i just think that a lot of guys try to skip that step and and then it shows big time and yeah i i mean and I'm kind of tired of it. <laughs> we need that quote as a shirt. I like that. Yeah. That, that quote. Daft's original. <laughs> we know we want to keep this pushing a little bit. So uh, since you got to go. But I'm fascinated by, you know, and you kind of led into this with the Har the Armin story, but how you became a B-boy for Delight. You know, I, oh, yeah. uh, I was telling Fuse earlier. He's like, really? You like Grooves in the Heart? That's a song for you. And I was explaining as when I was... Uh, for me, it hits a, a point when I my, my my mom used to drive me to school and that song used to come on like every hour. And I just still love that song to this day because it just reminds me of exact. I could tell you exactly the point of the freeway that I'd be on when it would come on, you know, so I, I, I still love that song. I play it. I got a new remix of it. It's just kind of refreshed it. And I play it all the time. I still play it. I mean, at the at the at the essence, it's Herbie Hancock. So it's like another right person i love like to listen to a lot um in jazz and you know that 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 song in itself is one of those songs where if if you were around when it came out you know exactly where you were you know exactly what the you know the clothes were in style at the time you, you can smell like the cafeteria at school when that song <laughs> comes on it's like that's where music is powerful and amazing is if the songs that affect you like that you can transport to wherever that time was in an instant you can you can pretty much like all yeah. the sensories open up to that and there's not too many things in life that can do that you know and i feel like uh for me and that discovery was more like just being in the right place at the right time doing the right thing and and very fortunate and and dumb luck to a degree but as i was telling you guys like when i i i pretty much started going to clubs as a as a 15 year old sneaking into clubs and mostly you would sneak into like the big clubs in DC where they just, they had like an already an 18 and up night. And yeah. so you could kind of fake it. And as long as you, they knew you, they never caught you drinking, they would just be like, whatever. And when you're a dancer, a B boy, you get a little bit of attention. So like some of the security guards would start to know who you are. Next thing you know, they introduce you to like one of the promoters 
managers and I was 16 years old getting, uh, you know, like $2 a flyer for how many flyers I could get people to come to the club and like rolling up in my mom's caravan. Um, if she knew where it was parked, wow. Oh Lord. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, you're like packing like 10 of your friends into her caravan, parking it in Southeast DC and like the cut paying the, paying the homeless dude 20 bucks to beg that he doesn't have somebody break into your car. And then, and then you're, and then you're like rolling into this club, like 20 deep, like, yeah, we're here. Like a bunch of freaking juniors in high school, like walking into a club, like we owned it. It was so stupid. Um, but you know, that was my life as like a, as a high school kid. And, and, uh, you know, like in those, especially in those early nineties, mid nineties, it was, uh, like B-boys and dancers. That was like a big spectacle in the club. And like, it was kind of where I guess I found like, I found that joy. I've always been a performer since I was young. I was always in theater. I was always on stage. And um, so that was just like another element for me. I, I, I grew up with hip hop. I didn't grow up as a DJ or a MC or a, a, you know, dancer or a graffiti. It was just like, that's hip hop. And you had to do it all. And if you couldn't do it all, you weren't hip hop. And that was, that was just like, that was, it was as pretty simple as that. It's like, let's see your tag. Let's see your windmill. Let's see your freestyle, get on these turntables, you know, beatbox, you know, do it all. Like if you can't do it all, you're not a hip hopper. And, and so for me, it was like seasons of life that one of these things I used to love doing, I'd get some recognition for or whatever. But for me, my, my foundation is in that and they weren't separate. It was just what you did. And, and um, to flash it forward a little bit, I started doing these bus trips where I would, hook up with different promoters in New York or in uh, the, the rave scene. And you'd organize a bus trip and you, you get pay for like a charter bus. You throw everybody on the bus from the DC Baltimore area and you bus them up to a, a warehouse and then the bus yeah. will bring them home. At least they get home safe. Right. It's like, you know, you got 50 kids on a bus that are all doing God knows what, and they're getting home that night because the bus driver was asleep in the parking lot of this warehouse in Brooklyn, you know? And, yeah. and so I was at one of these events and, I got a tap on my shoulder and I turn around it's Lady Miss Keir and she was like, "Hey, I like watching you dance and I'm going to put together a video of like a whole bunch of cool dancers and you want to be in it." And I was like, "Yeah, it sounds fun." And I gave her my beeper number, you know, threw her my beeper <laughs> number. Like, yeah, hit me on the box. And um and and then she hit me up and was like, "Hey, Dimitri's coming to Baltimore and he's playing this rave and do you want to film just like i just want to film dancing around with you and stuff i was like yeah it sounds fun and so like she had her film company come and like we were just dancing and having fun and then it, that's all it was and it was like peace see you later i didn't think anything of it i was like cool that was fun i'm i'm like 17 or 18 years old at this point so to me it was just like you're just geeking out that you're this really hot 30 year old woman <laughs> who's like wants to dance and you're like yeah that's cool <laughs> um and then, you know, and then flash forward to another event and they were like, hey, you know, put me we were in a car. They just like put me in this car at this festival and they were like, do you want to just move to New York and move in with us? And um, you can start like choreographing songs or we'll pay you X amount of dollars to choreograph songs. And that should give you enough money to like get your own apartment. And she was always flat, like straight up from day one with me of like, you're not going to be rich you're you're gonna i can give you some money to get started then you're gonna have to find a job because we're not gonna go on tour for a while and you're gonna have to work and you're gonna have to live and i can't really afford to pay you to rehearse but then once we get on tour 
I'll pay you right. And, and, and everything she said, she, she did to the T. She taught me so much about the business side of being an artist. And, and like I said, wow. it was just really fortunate, really in the right place at the right time and just a kind of progressive steps. And of course, you know, at the time it was like, there was never a question of whether I was going to do it. It was like, of course I'm going to do it. You know, and that was always my goal in life anyway, was I wanted to live in New York, you know, so. Is there any video of this now or? Yeah, man, you can, uh, you can, you can Google a lot of YouTube videos of like moon, early moonrise festivals and stuff. Um, the, the video. So obviously I wasn't on tour with them during Grooves in the Heart tour. Cause I was still in high school at that point. Like, but, um, I was on the Dew Drops in the Garden tour, which is the third album tour. And we did a video, um, Picnic in the Summertime, I think is the name of the video that lives out on the, on the ether. And then, yeah, there's like some random tons of like footage of our tour that year, like 94, I think it was of, um, of like, uh, you know, stage shows, like people just like really bad filming, you know, obviously like video cameras of YouTubes. Yeah. It's yeah. fun. I don't really like, you know, I don't really like, you know, throw it out there that much. Cause it's, it, it's like, it's a long time ago. <laughs> I can't do any of that how, shit anymore. How long were you in New York for, for that? Like two, two years or so. Like, you know, I moved up and then we practiced. I mean, we, we practiced and put together our show for about eight months, you know, as they were working on the album and then we went out on the road and then we toured for like a year or something like that. And then are you wearing like sunglasses in this video? No, I don't think so. I, I was a dancer. I mean, I, I'll, I pop up and time to time. Um, if you're looking at the picnic in the summertime video, I'm wearing like a Russian hockey jersey. Okay, okay. I see it. I see it. I'm looking at it now. <laughs> That's amazing. Funny story about that song. It had Roy Ayers. At, the original version of it had Roy Ayers, a sample, um, Everybody Loves the Sunshine in it. And they the label wouldn't let him clear it. And so then they got Ani, who was uh, the DJ on that show. His dad was a jazz musician. They rented a Fender Rhodes and had his dad come in and replay shit. And that one ended up on the record, which is dope. That's that's wow. crazy. That's wild. One of the things we wanted to talk to you about is uh, some new tech. If you're cool with that, I can play a mm -hmm. segment video. We can talk some new technology that you love. Hey, C3PO here. Drew and Fuse, I hear you love technology. What are some new gadgets you guys love? Oh no, R2, stop being so foolish. Let's hear about your new tech. Time to go. Master Luke needs me. Now that's amazing. That's amazing. Wow. <laughs> it's so bad. It's so good. It's amazing. That was fantastic. Yeah, so... Uh, any new tech that you're loving right now? It could be anything, any just any technology that you're into right now. I'm loving the Serato Beta. Obviously, oh. I've been putting that thing to use. Not in not in public, but there's a lot of ways you can put that to use. Quite frankly, I've been taking tons of like Iron Maiden and metal and taking out the vocals and just having badass instrumental heavy metal songs to use during. I also DJ for NASCAR, so I've been putting together. Um, this week is the championship in uh, Phoenix. And so we've been putting together like beds of things for the driver intros and for segments and like just creating instrumentals of Rage Against the Machine that you never had before and just, just different stuff. That has been that tech has been so fun to use. Uh, 
I, I have a question. What computer are you using? Because I, I do have some friends that mentioned they only had eight gigs of RAM and their computer was having was was having issues with it. What's so uh, your specs on this? And and are you having any kind of crashing or success with it? This is great. Um, so I guess this is also another part of the tech. Um, DJs, 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 <laughs> go to the Apple store. If you are a legitimate business and you actually are a business person that DJs and have the ability to show that to them, there is no point to ever buy another computer ever again. You just go to Apple, you set up a business account, and you lease your computer. I am leasing really? a 2021 M1 MacBook Pro. The specs on this are... Um, Let's see. You got to tell us the pricing on this too, because oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Extra. okay, so it does. It does I have, have a, a business account, but it does I, have a four terabyte solid state in it. It yeah. has sixty four gigabytes of RAM, right? Oh and it is the um, it is the uh, the highest model that they they put out. Um, I it's think the it Incredible Hulk. I get it. Yeah, it's a the beast. 20, of the twenty twenty one model. Yeah, the twenty. He opens it and it turns green and it rips out of its shell. <laughs> the battery life on this thing is unbelievable. Oh, I have one and it's just game changing. Yeah, the, we both are on M ones. Yeah, and yeah, the four terabyte. I think it. I think all in, including the Apple Care, was like fifty eight hundred dollars or something. Right. I pay $143 a month on a three-year lease at which three-year lease at the at which at the end of that lease you can buy it out in one lump sum, you can give it back to them and get the newest one and just restart, or you can keep going for one more year and then it's yours. You just keep paying your $143 a month for another 12 months and then it's yours. And there is no it's cheaper than my cell phone at this point. But you can't get it earlier than that. I mean, it's amazing. I, I'm not. I'm not questioning you your thought I'm, asking. I, I'm a nerd where I want to get a new computer every two years. Well, you could do that. You just have to pay a little bit more. Um, gotcha. And do a two year lease. It's just like a car. I will never buy a car again, and I'll never buy a computer again. I lease both, and it's and it's just to me, it's a line item. On yeah, that you just have to account for in life, and and, and for us as DJs, you cannot not have it's it's so dangerous to not have the biggest and best computer and two of them while we're talking about this i i want to give a shout out to one of our listeners dj sickness he listens all the time uh he he went out and he's buying an m1 because he listens and he heard drew and i preaching about it so much and so if you guys don't think it's affordable to buy one you can do the lease option here or he's buying a refurbished one off of this i think it's ebay he's buying it from mac apples which they have a hundred percent feedback on ebay a hundred percent positive feedback he's getting a 2020 m1 chip with 16 gigs of ram and a terabyte solid state drive for 1049 dollars i mean so i mean if you're a dj and this is something if you're a working dj and you work every weekend yeah, you need to go out and there's no excuse for your fucking shit to be crashing these days. No, no. And to to your point, if you're calling yourself a professional, you have to have professional grade gear. And, you know, and that's not to say that you can't find a Windows machine, because I know a couple guys that use like some really high intensity gaming machines, and those are probably more powerful than the MacBook. It's just the other side of what happens with 
PCs that makes me nervous with their, their crash rate is a little higher than a, than a MacBook and, and the internet and all that stuff that goes into that side of it. So for me, I'm just always a Mac guy, but there's no excuse to not, to not equip yourself with, with these tools when your whole entire lifeblood is based on the computer. And, you know, I do a lot of outdoor gigs and, Oh, that was mandatory for that. It's not even yes. a question. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'm talking DC United, July six o'clock in the afternoon. The sun pounding on it. It's 88 degrees and humid, and the thing doesn't even the green Serato meter never even moves. You know, it's like that alone for me is yeah. the game changer of just those the other mid. You know, anything after what the 2013s to 20 to like 20. 19s i guess like forget it it could be 75 if the sun is. oh my god i I had an old 20 the 20 it was like the first one of the first touch bars that came out i had a um, a 15 inch and i mean i had to carry around in my backpack i would have to carry around a a gallon plastic bag because if i did anything with that was outside i'd have to go get ice put it in the bag and then set my computer on it because it would just be done i would always keep a gallon bag or a gallon like Ziploc bag in my DJ bag because I mean it wouldn't even be hot out and like you're saying it would just be like shitting out and well I I didn't know about the leasing thing I do have a business account and the business account that I have if you spend over five grand on Apple products so your phone whatever a year then you start getting discounts on the computer I mean the computer alone like this one that I bought was probably like thirty four hundred you know. So you're, you're, you're there almost right away. So, oh yeah, yeah. You're going to, and, and, um, for me, it's like, nobody wants to just fork out three grand or five grand for computer in one shot. And, but like, if you, if you've been doing your stuff correctly anyway, which it should be, there should be no reason for you not to qualify for the business account and take advantage of, you know, I, the one, so the one I had before this, and it was same as you guys, uh, the touch bar of death one. And, and like, but I got it in 20, I got it in 2017 from them. It was a two terabyte solid state, 15 inch. And I think I paid $108 a month for it. I mean, you're not well, even, that's, that's you're not even touching <laughs> Yeah. Moving I mean, so forward, like, that's it. Yeah. I, you've sold me. Uh, leasing is the new thing. We're going to be preaching that. So that's, that's amazing. So to set uh, up an Apple account, what do you have to, to Apple business? What does it what does it technically require? Because I don't have an Apple business account, Drew. I didn't even know this is something you dude, do. Dude, uh, you know, uh, for me to have a business account, all it required was an email. So I have Drew at the People's DJ dot com, and that do was you it. have a? Um, I, I'm sure they asked for more, do you, but do you have they, a, uh, a bank account that's like a business account. Yeah, yeah, that, you're good then. Like you yeah, just show no. them that, that it's a business, that you're a legit, they just want to make sure you're a legit business. I mean, you can, it doesn't take much and you don't have I've to be an LLC or anything. As long as you're a sole proprietor that actually has a trade name, a business of some sort, yeah. which you do, then you're, yeah, you can just call, call up the Apple business email. Um, usually they'll set you up with somebody local. You know, I'm obviously set up with one here locally and they will, they're super nice and friendly and will get you sorted out. And basically then it goes to a third party company that handles your finance side. It's like going to a car, going and buying a a lease in a car, but then you're, you know, you get it from the dealership, but then it's through a different bank. That's your lease through. It's the same kind of thing. Super friendly, 
easy. Makes sense. That's that's awesome. Yeah. That's something I'm gonna have to check out. I I'm on. I I have my my laptop. I have this Mac Mini. Uh, my Mac Mini. I actually want to upgrade. I want to get it into a, a M1 here. So yeah. I'm hoping to do yeah. that in the next month or so. It works fine. Obviously, all Apple computers are tanks, but I I always try to have that new new mm-hmm. when I can. So. That's a that's a great tip. That was a one of the, my favorite ones uh, here for a while. Uh, anything left with tech? But that's an awesome one. No, I mean, it's, in terms of what I really enjoy using, like uh, equipment wise, that's tech. I, I have a Rain One, and I and I love it. It's been it's been just for me. I'm a turntable guy at heart, and prefer to like I'm doing this gig today. I'm taking the turntables out, even if it's a private event. But for the times where you're in a, sh- a small space or or fl- like you know when I'm flying to places. And you've got to bring gear. You've got to bring a controller or something. I I love the the density of it, the heaviness of it, and it's the platters. I've got some custom ones, and so now with some of my corporate brands, like with the Nats or with NASCAR, I'm gonna make the corp the records for them. That really you can use it to kind of ex- accentuate the the look and appeal. Which yeah. you know, I always feel a little. I feel a little. Um, I guess weird when I'm on a controller, you know, because you're like, I'm not a controller DJ, but then then you're like, shit, this controller carrying around is kind of nice sometimes. And so <laughs> the happen is like, and then I don't know if you guys have seen Jazzy Jeff's video where he they you can modulate and put on the tone arms and turn the rain one into yeah. you can do 45s on it. Come one on. of our uh, one of the local guys here, Steve Dub, we talked about him on the show. He he has that and he's just he's sick. He plays real 45s and it's so dope. dope. I'm curious. Obviously, the Raid One came out first, but why you went with that over not selling it and getting the, the Pioneer? Great, great question. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm not a, uh, I'm not like a geared towards one company. I've I've always had Rain products. Like I started on like a 52 or something, and like a, and in the clubs, like the Rain mixers were prevalent when I first started DJing. I had, of course, a 57. A 62. I have an S. I love my S9. I love the yeah. S11. I love the S7. The the thing that sold me on the rain over the Rev 7 partly was the time sensitivity. I couldn't. The that one was out and I needed it and I really really needed it for what I was doing. And some of the early reports on the I was getting some bad feedback on the Pioneer on the on the Rev that like it was wasn't holding up as well. Like some people were having some issues and those maybe as a firmware update it got sorted, but you start hearing all that stuff. You're like, eh. And um, the main thing that sold me, the rain one has feet like turntables. It actually has. Oh. feet. And so to clean the clean look of pulling your ta- cables underneath of it and hiding them all. It's very important to me. And uh, the rev seven, it sits too low. You can't do that. So uh, one of the things we know you're, you're big on music and we really wanted to talk uh, some music with you. And we have our Serato top five, uh, as you know, uh, we can play a video. We can talk some some music if you're cool with that. Hey, Taze on Day here. Drew and Fuse, the drewiest and fusiest pair on the planet, are here to marinate your ears, uh, marinate themselves, maybe kind of rotisserie themselves, and 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 you know roll around in the ambiance of sound and music. So. Put on some Taze on Day light candles and let's talk music. <laughs> oh my God, I when that came out. Wow. That was, that was things like popped in my brain that haven't in a long time from that. 
<laughs> Chocolate rain. Chocolate rain. We've oh, also declared with the Victor Menigo episode that uh, Chocolate Rain is the ultimate poo break song. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's oh my a, goodness. A must listen. So go back if you missed that one. But uh, let's let's hear about your Sar- Serato top five and or uh, tracks you're playing or just anything you want to talk about music wise that people should be should know about. I think uh, I'll give you guys a couple different lanes of music um, of just staples that I've that I always feel will probably be here um, on the nose. Pretty obvious one. If you're ever needing a parachute of a song, it seems to always work. Uh, Missy Elliott, get your freak on. It's just like such a jam. And um, it, explain, it speaks. Explain your wait, wait, explain parachute of a song. Cause I don't know that I've heard that. Um, like if, if, you're like, if, you're, if you're struggling, like you're fucking free falling and losing the crowd. <laughs> like that's a parachute song. That would I've Lynn, never Lynn, heard that, and I love it so much. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great way of saying that. Yeah, man, you need some parachutes. You always need some uh, standing by, um, and it's just songs that you know, like pretty much no matter where you're at, like you can reset the room, reset the taste, change the yeah. flow, and that song pretty much will is is one that I always feel like such a just Timberland, like in his essence of just experimentalism slash b boyism slash street and fun and you know it's just girl power all that stuff like you you're not gonna lose with that song you know yeah it's a good one it's a great one i'm i'm a uh a pretty a pretty big kind of disco funk kind of guy i spend a lot of i've done this party for years that's like a kind of disco boogie wednesday night kind of ends up it starts like funk and soul and rare grooves and kind of moves up the tempo in that in that vein ends ends with some like proper deep house usually is the kind of flow um but for me like disco specifically boogie that that sound to me is just like it's to me it's like the same as what you know bach or mozart like the the compositions of those disco records in, in that time frame you're talking like 20 30 musicians in the studio like proper orchestras strings horns like full, it's just a full com- composition of song. And, um, you know, so for me in that, in that vein, Shaka Khan, and uh, I, it's, it's actually called, I know you, I live you. And the version that I've been playing recently, usually it's just the original, but I had to look it up, but the, the bugs in the attic did a, a version of it. That's just crazy funky and chopped up. And, and if you wanted to like, take it to like a new school version. Um, but I that's one of my most, most, I, I know you, um, that's like one of my most, I think it's a perfect song. It's a beautiful song. Shaka Khan is a queen and just one of the greatest vocalists of our time. Of, and it's just, a, just such a jam. Number three. I love covers. So I got to have at least one cover in there. Covers to me are like how you can really make an interesting dinner party or like a, if you're at like a DJ that does like cocktail, like you're at a private event, you pretty much the, this event I'm going to do today, first two hours are like a swanky kind of fundraising cocktail music thing. So that could be anything from traditional jazz to like crazy, weird covers of things. And um, so for me, one of my most, I think, powerful covers to play because what it will, it will get me more gigs from that song like reoccurring gigs or or people will remember this song 
more than any song I've ever probably played or in some of my demo videos, but it's Paul Anka doing a cover of Wonderwall, all jazz. Oh, wow. And it is like, wow. So Paul, I have it on vinyl actually somewhere around here, but Paul, Paul Anka did a, um, an, a cover album. Yeah, and, I play that cover album. I, but I, I always play the, the Michael Jackson. Uh, the way you make me feel. That's the one I play. Yeah, I play that there's one a like lot. Smell, so. There's a Smell Like Teen Spirit one on there. Yeah. There's um, there's great the, album. Yeah, I mean, and um, but the the Wonderwall, you drop that, and and that's exactly the effect I'm going for. Is is that it's it's background music, but it stops people in their tracks because they know it, but they don't, and it's new and it's fresh yep. and familiar all at the same time, and it just touches all the sensories of uh, what you would um, what would get move. you. I'm going to move that into the crate. I love that. That's a great one for yeah, sure. One of my favorites. Um, so we did a, all right, we did a classic, like kind of throwback 2000s hip hop. We did a cover. We did a disco. Let's see. We need like a, we need like a, it's a little bit more on the nose, but I feel like I can't not say it because it's, it's like one I play all the time. And I guess partly because I'm always playing at, at this point in my career, I'm playing a lot of sporting events and I'm playing a lot of private events. And you're always trying to, to fuse the gaps and, and, and the generations. And, you know, if you've been doing this long enough, you start to see where the pocket of the age range is and how the music shifts and changes and what song can grab 65 year olds and seven year olds and also grab 20 year olds in the same fit. Same way. And for me, that record is Daft Punk one more time. I mean, it just it's a record that I think you can go five, six different directions out of or into yep. from it. It's a, it's just such a it's such a hub of a record. It's just it's a it's a it's a transition spot where you can land into that spot and travel to any other direction from there. And and it and it's still cool and hip enough that like young people dig it and like. 65 year olds have heard it or they have a reference point to it and are you are you playing the original are you playing a remix are you playing a short edit of it because it has that the the yeah, longest I definitely break it. of yeah. all time I'm in and out of <laughs> any <it> song <laughs> yeah right. yeah i'm definitely in and out of it before that uh, i i tend to most of the time probably play the original but then there's one edit that i do play it was an edit of um oh it's it's Deville, one more time oh. into Swedish House Mafia yeah. one. That's oh, a yeah. fantastic edit. Yeah. That was a great edit. And so like at, at at places, and that's another great one where you can play the original. It's the original, and then it he al allows you. He's done the work for you to take take it into like more of a club EDM set. So I definitely I played. Used, I used that as uh, one of the. I mean, this was long time ago at this point but i remember when it first came out i used that as a 12 o'clock song for new year's eve and yeah. so the one won the countdown yeah and, yeah uh, that's awesome it was, it was big so it was good it's a great great one dude hell yeah i have two more questions for you before we let you go um one we want to we actually want to talk about you know playing for the teams and just kind of the, how that goes but you've mentioned this multiple times and i do a wednesday night you're pushing Wednesday nights. Wednesday night is basically almost the night that no one goes out, right? It's that it's the Sunday for nightlife is how I like to always say it. It's the night everyone stays home. If you 
work nightlife, you're going to go out Sunday night. You'll definitely stay home Wednesday night because you went out Tuesday. You went out Thursday. You're going to go out Thursday. Mm-hmm. Wednesday is just that. It's impossible. I, mm-hmm. I finally have one right now that I think is the best I've ever been a part of. So I'm curious about your, your push for this. I just got to know. Oh, no, it's great. Okay, so it does backstory on like that was the night that I fell in love with, you know, everything I did. And like like yep. as a as a professional, I guess you could say is like, OK, I want to I never thought of doing this for a career. I just thought I would always do this. And that's it. And you never like as a as a teenager, you're not thinking money or anything. You're just thinking this is what I do. And then you get to like 20 and you're like, oh, man, like I got to figure something out with my life. You know, <laughs> <laughs> And well, I, that's everybody else telling you that. That's not what you're in your mind because you're in 20 and everyone's going, you're not going to just keep doing this. And you're like, oh, I thought I could. I didn't really, yeah. I hadn't planned that far ahead. <laughs> so exactly. Exactly. then it's you fighting that part and then you get over and you're like, well, I'm just going to keep doing it because it's great. That's it. That's it. Exactly. And like, so for me, that Wednesday Sound Factory Bar Party was just like the essence of everything I loved about what the culture and the music and DJing and and so when I moved back to D.C. from New York, my buddies who we started this party with, there was already a really established Friday night party. And there was all the one off parties on Saturday. So doing like a, a consistent Saturday party just didn't seem like a smart move. And we wanted to have enough space away from the Friday party because we felt like some of that same crowd would probably it was it was like an older friends of ours that did the other party and we didn't want to be too close to them but like you know so we were trying to be respectful enough to stay away from them we and i was like well i love wednesday and and it just happened and so we started this wednesday and we did that for years and years and then that's the reason i've always loved wednesday is kind of everything you were saying um nobody goes out that night so the people that do come out that night really want to be there and they really are coming that's to check a good point music. And it allows you, if you can build it, they will come kind of mentality. Like, you know, you can make something special out of it because you don't have to play the weekend music and you can you can connect with people on a on a more emotional scale with your music selections because you you have a little bit more range to do that. You know, so I I feel that way on my Wednesday and. I, I didn't put it that way, but I do feel I'm not really playing any big hits. You know, I mm-hmm. got to have a little bit of some transitions in there to to tie it all together. But I'm not playing any like real hits, just a vibe. The whole night's a vibe. Yeah. So I connect with you on that. What I'd like to know is maybe if you're OK sharing it, like with that secret to get people to just go, OK, fuck it. I'll go out on Wednesday. I didn't want to. And I know it's a good party, but, you know, it's cold tonight. <laughs> I got to stay home. Like how maybe it's like uh just maybe it's a shot special, maybe it's uh something else. I don't know. But I'm just a little fascinated by that. Yeah, I mean, I I think, you know, what's always helped me was I would I'm always a share the love kind of person. Like I I don't think I've ever built anything on my own and I don't feel like I should really take credit for anything on my own. And when I get something, I try to share it with lots of people and I feel like the way to stay in this game a long time is to never be greedy and to, you know, always show love to people. And I just, I feel like I can, I can relate to certain people or times in my life that if this went to a different direction, we're not even on this podcast together right now. So, and I can, and I can look back at those times. So I always try to have like a grateful heart. And so for me, the Wednesday success was by spreading, spreading the love and sharing the love and like bringing in some other DJs or bringing like, I was working with, there's a reggae band in the room they they have like a whole their own crowd and like 
in this whole other floor. So, so create like, and like with the Wednesdays, it was hip hop, it was drum and bass, it was house. It wasn't just one thing. There was, there was reasons for people of different walks of life to come under the same roof for the same reason, but maybe on a different, different tone that they were looking for. So that's great. Yeah. Great advice. It's a, it's a great night. And um, I do agree with you. The people that want to go out are there. They're just like, I'm in. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And, and it's always going to catch, uh, and, and, you know, and you'll, you'll have lightning in a bottle every once in a while where like some random veterans day, at least in DC, we get these federal holidays all the time. So it's like veterans day will be on a, on a Thursday. So Wednesday becomes like a club night or right. Wednesday, the, you know, and what I would say too, is build your foundation on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, you know, oh, like, yeah. like night do, do your year. best night, do your best thing, but be you be like, represent what you want people to see from you following that night not cater to the fact that you're banging that night it's the most people you've seen and fall into the trap of now i have to play like it's a friday give them what you want them to see next week so take that risk and that leap of faith that the music that you're gonna that you want to show them you might make 50 percent of the people be like man this dj like i don't feel him well good get out like leave because you're only here because it's a pseudo amateur night anyway but for the other ones that connect with you and are like, I love this. And they're like, damn, he's here every Wednesday. I'm going to come back. And you're right. not going to get everybody to come every Wednesday. It's impossible. But if you build enough of a following that you can, you know, modulate who's coming each week and have enough there always to keep it going, then you'll be good. I always connect with dancers. That's my back uh, part of my background. So, you know, I'll always have the B-boys coming out and, the, and like the house heads and, and right. people really want to get lost in music. You know, I don't know if this for you guys and maybe, you know, I think three of us share a lot of similar uh, backstories and just understanding like we're, we're all capable of expressing our emotions and, and knowing what we've been through and, and how, to, how it resonates and how it moves us forward. But I can't count how many times, especially on that Wednesday, that someone will come up to me at the end of the night and go, I needed this tonight. Like I'm going through something bad. And like right. I got lost in that corner and danced for the last two hours and sweated my, you know, sweated my frustration out. And that's, that's like, that's what it's all about. You know, at the end of the day, that's really what it's all about. I love that, dude. Are you still playing drum and bass or has it evolved over the year? I didn't, I never played a lot of drum and bass myself. I just had, always would have the best drum and bass dudes in that room doing their thing. And that's what I mean. It's like, for me, it's not like get the people that are the best at what they do to do what they do. Like I, when I do private events, I don't do lighting because I'm not a lighting dude. Like if you want to hire me, you're not getting lights. Like hire the lighting dude. Like, right. He's a professional lighting guy. I'm not I'm a professional DJ. But like in yep. the same thing with like drum and bass, house, whatever. If you, if you can't, I'm not going to try to pretend what I'm not. I'm going to let the other lift up somebody that needs that space and themselves. And and certainly like I played some drum and bass records and, and I do like it, but I was never like drum and bass sure. you're you're bob's chili you're not denny's right <laughs> you want to go to the they go to the one spot that does it real fucking good but you don't want to go to the spot that does everything really bad cheesecake right? factory <laughs> oh god fuck the cheesecake factory yeah. awful the 98 page <sighs> menu dude get out for, i always tell my girlfriend when she's uh like pissing me off i'm always like i'm gonna go down to the cheesecake factory and have a drink because uh he says that in stepbrothers the dad says that in stepbrothers <laughs> and i always think that that's like the funniest little like subtle line in the movie he's like he's just so frustrated he's like i'm going to the cheesecake factory to have a drink. <laughs> like <laughs> so whenever i'm like mad at her i'm like i'm about to go to the cheesecake factory and have a drink. <laughs> 
Well, I, you're a fascinating person. We could talk all day and all night. I know you have to go, but I just maybe there's a. I got a little. I, I got a few more minutes. We're we're good. We just wanted to touch on. You know, we kind of skipped over it, but you're the official DJ for the Washington Nationals, DC United, Washington Spirit. Maybe just touch on that a little bit. You know what it's like to be a DJ for a major league sports team. You know. Yeah. No. I mean, for me, growing up, I wanted to be a baseball player. Like probably good majority of kids if you played sports you're like oh i'm gonna be in the nfl i'm gonna be in the nba and then like really quickly you realize that that's not happening but my you know my love of sports and music are kind of intertwined and we never had a baseball team growing up here which is a whole other you know couch session with a shrink because baseball is my favorite <laughs> sport and um and so not having a baseball team growing up here was kind of tragic in a lot of ways and um but as a young DJ and one of my my best bud Danny who's my partner with a lot of our sports stuff who Danny is uh in a rap group called Team Demolition like in the early 90s they were you know right now they have you know at his studio depth charge recordings he's got platinum plaques on the wall they produced he's produced uh songs for 50 Cent for tons of Interscope artists Beat Nuts like all these people he's also a studio nerd, a studio engineer and a one and, and one of my best friends. And like, we would be always sitting around going, if we ever got a baseball team, we have to do the music. Like we have yeah. to do the music. Yeah. And, um, when what year the, is this? Oh, that was probably mid nineties. The team came. No, no, that's like, yeah, yeah. The team came. What yeah. The team came in 2005 and neither one of us had any ends to the, to the team at all. And we went to the game, like the very first game we, got tickets and like you know we did were there you, together wait, like, so, sorry to interrupt do you have yeah. did you have a team before or no we never, uh, so, so the so the, the last fan. team that was here in washington was in the 70s and then they became the, i think the twins it's either the twins or the rangers one of those two franchises left well, did, the, did you have a favorite team though Not oh yeah I mean, like, yeah i was a yankees fan growing up but that's right. only out of default of like not having a, a, a team at home, you know? Right. And then I, I would like go on talk radio shows and like at three in the morning after gigs and talk to sports radio guys about like, <laughs> we need a baseball team in DC. <laughs> Damn it. You know? And like, yeah. uh, and I was, I was always like to all my friends, like, you know, if, I'll swear off the Yankees if you give me a team or whatever. So the team came here in 2005 and just, you know, just, as a fan of baseball, I was just so thrilled. And me and my buddy Danny, we went to all the, you know, as many games as we could. And then that same season, uh, there was, I got approached by some people in the marketing department. Um, just so, again, these are what these scenarios. I was at a Wizards playoff game. It was the Wizards and the Heat when, when Shaq was on the Heat. My buddy Chachi, who ran a bunch of the clubs I DJed for, had Budweiser comp tickets. So he brought me with him to the game. Shout out to Chachi. He's like one of the dudes, another of these pillars yeah. of people that I'm not sitting on this podcast. If it wasn't for him. And so he brings me to this game and it just so happens the people we're sitting next to are these two girls that are the marketing department at the Nats. And we're just through our random conversation. I'm, I'm like, oh, I'm a DJ. Blah, blah, blah. And they're like, where do you DJ? I'm like, I DJ this club modern in Georgetown. They're like, oh, my God, we go there every weekend. That's our favorite spot. Holy shit. All right. We want to do some parties with you at the Nats. And like it started as me just kind of showing up for some one offs and some corporate kind of things. And then when they got the new stadium in 2008, they they bumped me up to kind of the party DJ where they'd have me almost every game somewhere different around the stadium, wherever they wanted to kind of show some activation. And I was like the pre party warm up DJ. And then they got me into the 
doing player walk-up music, just a natural progression. So I've been there since 2008. DC United, all the NASCAR, all that's just kind of a kind of a rippling effect from from that Nats gig. Yeah, and sports are different, and it's fun at the same time. Like I always tell people, when you're a DJ in a club or a, a a dance floor setting or an environment like that, you're you're driving the you're kind of driving the storyline. Like you can push the storyline. You can you can clear the dance floor and make people go to the bar, or you can make the dance floor everybody get on the dance floor. You have that power to manipulate the crowd. But when you're DJing sports, it's all reactive. So everything happens in front of you, and then you have to react in the moment to the appropriate thing to do. So if the team strikes out, you're going to do something totally different than if the guy hits a, a double. You're going to do totally different if he walks. You're going to do something totally different if he hits a home run and or if it's a foul ball. You know, it's like there's six or seven different scenarios that can happen in that split second, and you have to hit it. You know, uh, it's a lot of prep. I, yeah. And uh, I want to tell you, baseball is my favorite sport, too. And it, it wasn't really until I more adult years as a kid. I kind of I always enjoyed it, but I I couldn't tell you then that it was my favorite sport and why, you know. But now as an adult, I can tell you it's my favorite sport and all the reasons why. So uh, I know you're short on time and we're short on time, but you know, I know you're going to be at DJC. So I'll, 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 we'll talk then about it. And uh, cause oh, I yeah. ask questions. I always like asking other people that are into baseball some questions. So heck yeah. Uh, I love that. that yeah. what, now, uh, have you ever worked for the Reds or tried to go in there? No, no, I haven't done anything for the Reds. Uh, they had a guy for a while. Uh, his name was DJ E-Train. He's a local guy. And um, I believe, I don't know if he's still doing stuff for them or not. I had like a small season ticket package for this year. And I only saw him once or twice there this year. And he was just doing like MC stuff between like some of the innings, like, you know, like the fan games yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, and that's it. But previous years he was like doing some DJ stuff. So I don't really know what the uh, Cincinnati's weird. I, I feel like uh, even for me, like it's hard to, to, to get certain things because it's such like a big small town and it's very like, and I'm sure you get that too. It's like, oh, this person knows that person and that they're the end. And then I'm like, that's cool. Like I, I have my lane, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, but just knowing, um, like I was telling you before when we were jumping on, like how many of your edits I have in my Serato as it is like your, your musical acumen and the fact you say you like the sport, you'd probably be really good at it because it's, it takes somebody that not only understands the sport, and understands like all the different things that could happen in this next seven seconds. And yeah. then, then knows the music to play with it. You know, it's a very, and, and I think more and more teams are starting to realize that. And, you know, so they're, they are coming, they're trying to find higher level DJs, not just like, you know, more engineer kind of guys that sit there and a producer tells them what to play. They're realizing that if they get the right crew in there, you can get the DJs to really take over and and make a great show out of it because it is skewing more to and we were the first team to do this because our CEO at the time she came from the from the NBA background and if you've been to an NBA game music plays constantly yeah it's like a part more of a party at an NBA game than a, a baseball game for sure right and and her philosophy was there's too many young people coming to these games that can't, if you're not passionate about baseball, you're like, you know, this is cool. We're out drinking, we're talking, but like you need to make it more fun and more interactive and more musical 
interludes and things like that. So she was really pushing that on us. And she challenged us to create like a new way to do baseball. And, and we did it. And then all the other teams would start bringing their, their producers down to see our setup, to see all the different machines we're using, how we're doing it. And like my boss would always be like, I tell everybody that's me in that city, you need, uh, you need to find real DJs that love baseball, you know, and you'll, you'll, you can do it. So it's changing. You never know. They might, they might look you up. I, I would love that. <laughs> I have a random question for knowing how busy you are. How do you juggle being at all the games? on top of your schedule i'm not at all the games that's the easy okay. question <laughs> <laughs> there <it is>. <laughs> no, okay. um, yeah i mean danny and i danny and i share the load he takes the lion's share um and then we we have like one other person that will will come in we have uh a lot of things that we overlap on. So a lot of times uh, DC United games, he'll be the A1 running the board and the TV mix and everything. And I'm the DJ. And then at Nats games, we have a separate A1. So that allows us to kind of move around. And he's, he's like no wife or he has a wife, but no kids. So it, it works out for him to do like, a, you know, probably like 65% of the game. So I just do the other ones. And then, um, you know, that's to me, that's the whole thing is like, again, spread the love. <laughs> I had the job. I had the job first, and then my boss was like, "Hey, do you know anybody else that?" And I was like, "Oh, yeah, I think I can find a person or two. And like, he didn't did not know for two years. I've been trying to get Danny in the door and just waiting for the time, you know. I yeah, I I love that uh, that attitude. I always tell Drew when he calls me with something new that he's got going on. I'm like, dude, I feel like I just got the gig because you got it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. And like, if you keep that attitude. It- like for guys here with like what I'm doing currently, they're like, well, I want to come play here. And I'm like, well, you can't because I play here and like, you know, but like the next spot opens like, you know, there's going to be a, a opening, you know, so, you know, it's it's there's only so much you can do. But sharing the love is a great a great thing, especially me and Drew always talk about like sharing the love with people that are givers too, not just takers. There's yeah, so many good. takers in our industry that just expect, yeah totally that just come with their hands out they always want something like you know whether it's hey man let me get that edit and it's like bro I, i'm not giving you this edit because i made this one just for me because i put out all the other ones you know mm-hmm. like so learn how to make your own and then maybe i'll start sharing more of the, the ones that i don't post with you you know like yeah. stop being such a taker from the culture always yeah no i mean and i think that's for me why it's always been important to lift someone up or give someone an opportunity because I've been given opportunities. We're all, we've all been given opportunities. Nobody has done it on their own. And sure it's, it's what you do with your opportunities. You know, when you get an opportunity, are you, are you going to fumble it or are you going to thrive through it? And, and for me, I think the last 10 years really, and as we get older and you figure it out, you realize I can't be in all these places at one time. So I got to get a crew and like, you know, and, and it's all about connecting with like-minded guys like you guys um, where you, you can say to one of your clients, like, yeah, I can get you a DJ in Cincinnati. I know exactly who I'm going to get you. And I, you know, to me, that's what I've always kind of felt is one of my strengths is a network. I'm just, I'm, I like to network with people. I like to build true relationships with people. And then when I have opportunities, it's so much easier if you're already doing a bunch of stuff with these guys is just to be like, Hey, I've got this thing too. And you've already built a core and you're, you're giving them good work and you know, you're trusting them that they're not going to dick you over. 
and that you're putting people in the place that are going to represent you well professionally and do a good job and grow and help you grow and everyone can eat. And I'm always very transparent about my gigs with people. Like I tell them how much I'm getting, what my cut is, how much they're getting. You know, it's it's just always very in upfront. And I'm not I'm not a booking agency that's trying to be a you know, 50% and you take 50. I'm like, no, nah, you're doing most of the work. I'm just the plug here. And I'm just going to take what a plug's, you know, cut of this is, you know, you, the DJ still deserves the majority lion's share of the mute of the, of the money, or you're not going to get the quality person to do that job, you know, because these totally. companies are gonna pay like thousands and thousands of dollars, unless you are faking it really well on social media, or you are like a legit, really, you know, quest love or somebody that, can command like big money, you know, it's yeah. Diplo, somebody, you know, that has a caliber when they do private events that people are like, Oh, well, this guy does all this stuff, but we're like pretty much, you know, local DJs to a degree that have just figured out how to use, you know, technology and the where, where we are in life now to kind of move around a little bit. But like at the end of the day, we're just local DJs, you know, that's how totally. I look at myself. And completely. You know, and it's like, so you, you link with all those like-minded people in other cities. And when you connect, that's just how I came up. That's how we used to do all those warehouse parties. We would sit at one of these parties and the guys in Boston would be like, I'll take this weekend. The guys in Long Island would say, we'll take this weekend. Guys in Baltimore would say, we'll take this weekend. And here you have the next six weeks plotted. And everybody is like going to each person's party and supporting each thing. And you've got this kind of utopian way of of doing things but everybody at the end of the day we're not uh unrealistic we're all trying to earn money and make money but you don't have to to make that the the kind of the forefront of how you do it you know like you were saying before if you're not doing if you're doing it strictly because of the money it's never going to be you know what it could truly be you know you're always going to be somewhat unbalanced in in the effect and so like yeah do what you do and the money will be there and it's fine <laughs> it's doesn't have to be what you know creates all this tension and drama if you if you take that out of it from the beginning and are honest with people it's it's amazing how creating that trust and and people that are like man i like this gig it's a good gig and i'm getting paid well and i can use this gig to get other gigs and when they see the full picture and you get with people that are trying to play the long game together you guys everybody can can do well and find you know that we're sitting here as getting grown-ass men that are still living kids dreams you know <laughs> totally so, totally that's hey, awesome dude, you're, well this was an awesome episode man i thank you yeah. so much for being on dude thank you guys man thanks Incredible, for having man. me really yeah looking it. forward to getting to hang uh djc and chatting yeah. it up more there hit everybody with uh your socials where they could find you anything you want to promote cool yeah i'm uh i'm pretty easy to find it's just at stylus chris s-t-y-l-u-s-c-h-r-i-s pretty much on all social i'm pretty much never on it but <laughs> you know you can always hit me there i will respond i just don't post much i, I haven't figured out how to make my daughter an intern yet and make her come around <laughs> all my gigs and film me um because she knows how to do that really well um but yeah and stylish person everything um and really right now i'm i'm just uh hoping to connect with you guys at djc and um check out the uh all the other nerds that we that we're gonna four days of yeah. dj nerdship yeah totally uh, are you coming in on Sunday? I'm coming in oh. Monday early. Monday? Okay, yeah. cool. Me and Drew are going in Sunday, so nice. Uh, we'll definitely have to link up Monday. Yeah, I'll be in Monday for sure. Um, I'm on a crazy bender. Uh, I'm 
flying Wednesday to Denver and then out in Wyoming for a few days for a couple of private events and then in uh, Chicago and then Notre Dame for an event home, home Sunday for one day and then to Nashville. So it's, Whew. yeah, that's a lot more. It sounds like you fly more than I do. That's awesome. You're making me tired. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm tired already. <laughs> Technology. Other thing I always do, I, not for this call, but I always set timers. So like um, to manage time, you need timers. And like, yeah. I'll, I'll say I'm going to spend the next, 15 minutes answering as many emails as I can. And when that timer goes off, I got to do something else. Every day I sit with a to-do list and I come, I kind of rank it by what needs to get done and you just tap it out. You know, it's the only way to stay a floating treading water in this. It's <laughs> true. Yeah. Well, thank you awesome. so much. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. And uh, before we go, guys, make sure you hit that YOLO line, 562-246-YOLO with any questions, any drunk dials, your favorite guacamole recipe, all that mm. stuff. Also, oh, and I got my uh, Mambo edit um, number five. <laughs> yeah. It's the Bad Bunny remix, reggaeton version. Oh, there we go. Yeah. yeah. Make sure you're rating and reviewing the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Uh, make sure you check out Club Cannon, the photo booth supply. Make sure you're using direct music service, that Drew and Fuse show I promo use- code. I yeah, see, see, we're not just lying to you guys to, oh, that's uh, to get the, you to go we're use get it. To talk about that. So I have to pause for one second and say shout out to Direct Service because certainly in the early years of like the the very first iteration of Serato, um, getting music and trying to get it proper, always at the forefront. Like the the best, like not the obvious shit either. The good shit DJs need, like the yeah. things that can change you as a DJ, especially. Um, those like 2012 years, I remember this. Shout out to Simo, man! Like all he's those, Cincy, yeah, he's here. Yeah, all, yeah. all the all the funk, all those really cool, um, you know, indie dance records and things. Like always, just such a great pool for for music lovers. If you love music, get in direct music service. Awesome. There you go. We that's appreciate a, that. Yeah, that's the plug right there. All right, guys, that's gonna wrap it up. Until next time, we'll talk to you guys later. See ya. Peace. Peace.